0: Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring our own pastoral staff and various guest speakers. Our text of scripture for this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, the 12th chapter. I invite you to listen for God's word. Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, or about your body, what you'll wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They've neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to the span of your life? If then you're not able to do such a small thing as that, why do you worry about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven how much more will he clothe you you of little faith and do not keep striving for what you are to eat and what you are to drink and do not keep worrying for it is the nations of the world that strive after all these things and your father knows that you need them. Instead Strive for his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moths destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also this is the word of the lord Amen. thanks be to god let's pray together <clears throat> gracious and loving god you are the one who has created all and you've given us given us such abundance Receive our thanks in this week of thanksgiving. And now speak to us as only a living God can, for we pray in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. I don't know about you, but I've been learning to live with less lately. It really started out under my doctor's orders. My doctor sent me to a nutritionist who tried to give me a bit of an education on what I should be eating and the kinds of foods I should be staying away from. She told me I had to increase my healthy fats, fats like olive oil and avocados. But I needed to embrace, quote, a lifelong adherence to a gluten-free diet. Now, as far as I know, ever since I had that advice, I've adhered to that advice, though I do miss a few food items, but generally I've not missed gluten. All the breads and the cakes, I could do without them, and I've found that rice crackers are remarkably good with a little gluten-free hummus. It's quite satisfying, but I have discovered that gluten-free doesn't mean calorie-free, But I'm eating differently these days, and maybe like many of you, trying to eat less. Less is more, apparently, when it comes to our diets. This past summer, in anticipation of a study abroad trip to Scotland with the church, where 37 of us joined together on that trip, I found myself packing my suitcase very carefully, As you know, there's an airline limit to the weight that you can pack into a suitcase when traveling. And the trip that began in Scotland would continue to Ireland and then to Tennessee and then to Montana and then to Minnesota with family. And it included some golf and then some motorcycling, which require very different outfits. So as I stood there in front of my closet looking at the options, I carefully chose what would be comfortable but versatile. Clothing I could either dress up for a formal occasion or dress down for a casual one. Layers of warmth so I could peel off a layer if it got warm and put one on if it was cooler. Plenty of rain-resistant clothing because we were going to Scotland after all. I'm just beginning to discover I can live more with less. I can even live better with fewer choices. And I'm reminded of that every time I pack my bags to travel somewhere, as many of us will be doing this Thanksgiving week. But it kind of reminds me of the saying uh, that Dolly Parton was famous for. It costs a lot of money to look this cheap. We're entering the holiday season, and with it, there are many excesses. And yet, here we have this text of Scripture that reminds us today that the stuff we own, which is supposed to make life a little easier for us, actually can make our lives unmanageable. This section in Luke's Gospel begins with a caution. Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then Jesus tells about a man who has a problem. He enjoys a spectacular harvest. So spectacular, in fact, that he has nowhere to store all of the grain. Anything wrong with that? Not so far. As far as we know, this man came by his wealth quite honestly. He didn't cheat. He didn't lie. He didn't steal. Jesus said he thought to himself. He had a private discussion with himself. What shall I do with all this grain that I've harvested? I know. I'll do this. I'll pull down my barns and I'll build even bigger ones. That's pretty drastic action, really. He doesn't just build an addition to his barns. He tears down the old barns, builds new ones, which underscores that this was some harvest. I mean, if he had enough from this harvest to tear down his old barns and build new ones, he had one spectacular, miraculous harvest. He hadn't just done well, he'd done very well. I will say to my soul, says the man, you see, I guess when you're rich... And you're this spectacularly successful, you don't need to consult with anyone. All the conversation in the story is a monologue. Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. Come on, it's the holidays. I kind of got a sense for what he feels. I I have a feel for this sort of thing. I mean, I I have a diploma somewhere. I get a monthly printout of my 403B account and a brokerage statement. It all means not only that we've done a good job of the job of life, but we've also built something of a fence around life. Full barns a retirement account. So relax, eat, drink, be merry. You know, some people call the story in Luke, the 12th chapter, the story of a rich fool. But Jesus doesn't call it that. Jesus begins talking not about the man, but about the land and what it produced. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. What first impresses Jesus is this miraculous barn busting harvest, a gift. The man received a gift. That's what becomes the problem. What the man says to himself is, how do I manage my miracle? What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. I'll do this. I'll pull down my barns and store my grain and my goods. How do I manage my miracle? Now that's what Jesus is talking about. You know, one psychiatrist doing some research some years ago relating to people's own self-image gave this sort of test for people to solve. And then he asked them when they either failed to solve the test or they were successful, to explain their failure or success. How did they account for it? Well, maybe it won't surprise you to hear that the psychiatrist concluded we tend to blame others for our failures And to take credit for our successes. This man who's trying to manage his miracle is in a monologue with himself, congratulating himself, talking to himself, making plans, celebrating himself. But at the end of the story, we hear another voice that intrudes into his monologue it's the voice of God. And that voice does not accuse him of injustice or immorality or even greed. God calls him "You fool." The one anyone else of us might call prudent or "far-sighted, a planner, God calls a fool. He didn't get what he got unjustly. Why did God call him a fool? Karl Barth, a 20th century theologian, used to say that one day a procession of people will travel out to the cemetery, they'll say some words over a grave, and then everyone will return home, everyone but us. Then what? You fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. And the things that you've prepared, whose will they be then? It's the end of the story. In the Greek, the text actually says, Fool, this very night they shall demand your life. They. Who's they? Well, I I think they are things. Jesus closes the story. And whose will they be? Surprise! The stuff, the things, the gadgets, the cars, the clothing, the vacation homes, the machines. The things that are supposed to make our lives easier often make them unmanageable. Some days I don't think I have any other purpose in life than to tend to or to fix or to take care of things. I wait for the plumber or the appliance repairman to arrive. They give me a four-hour window. They never arrive in that four-hour window. I'm not managing any of this. It's managing me. I thought I had control of this stuff, but this stuff controls me. And it makes me realize there is a big, big difference between possessions and treasures. The fool says in his heart, there's no God, just me. What's mine? My management of my achievements. There's no miracle, no food, no family future as a gift. It's mine to be managed for me. There's no transcendent higher claim on me and my possessions other than my comfort, my contentment, my pleasure. There's no connection between my Resources and my responsibilities. You see, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. You know, it's important to note in this story that God doesn't punish anyone in the story. Unless you think of reality as punishment enough. The intruding voice of God only states the facts. Just the facts. Fool, this night they demand your life from you. All this management, all this preparation, these bigger barns and prudent insurance policies, whose will they be now? Fred Craddock tells of a missionary family in a strife-ridden country years ago, a family of four with a mother and a father and two children, a boy and a girl. Tensions rose in that country, and one day a government official came to tell them they had to leave on Monday. All foreigners were being expelled from the country. You can take 500 pounds with you, no more. Sort through what you have and be ready by Monday morning. So, the whole weekend, they sorted through all their things. What did they really need? What did they value most? We certainly heard in our children's sermon and know in recent weeks there have been a lot of Californians who've had to do that as that fire bore down on their homes. So this family went through their clothes and their books and their computers and their furniture, and the children sorted through their toys and games, and they weighed what they had, over a 1,000 pounds. They went back over their belongings. They decided they could leave the sewing machine. They could leave a number of books. They weighed again 700 pounds. They had to go through the sorting process again, letting go of even more, and finally they came to exactly 500 pounds, Monday they arrived at the airport and this stern looking official said, 500 pounds exactly? Yes, sir, exactly, 500 pounds. Looks too much to me. Oh no, we weighed it, it's 500 pounds to the ounce. Okay, young man, step up here on the scale, said the official. Wait a minute. You mean you're weighing the children, too? The boy weighs 91 pounds. Okay, young lady, step up here. You're counting the children's weight, too? Oh, no, wait. Eliminate these boxes. These, Get rid of this stuff. We don't care about these things. Our children, of course, we care about. You see, Jesus... Looks at life and defines rich very differently than most of the society in which I live. I mean, I have a job, but I treasure my family. I have a house, but I treasure our home. I possess a bank account but I treasure my friendships. I have a car, but I treasure my freedom. Yes, I even have clothes, but I treasure my health. I have a calendar. I treasure my time. I have a heart, But I treasure love wherever your treasure is there your heart will be also so you see sometimes you actually add to your life by subtraction don't worry about your life what you'll eat or what you'll wear life is more than food your body more than clothing Consider the ravens. God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? If you're unable to do such a small thing, why do you worry about the rest? So maybe this Thanksgiving we could be a little more grateful for the miraculous and abundant harvest that we've received. And perhaps we could consider again just how we're going to manage this miracle. Just be sure it's not a monologue. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.